0: Welcome to the Visegrad Insight Podcast from Central Europe on Central Europe. Hello. Welcome, everyone, to the Visegrad Insight Podcast. My name is Galen Dahl, and I'm joined again this week with Adam Yasser. Hello. <laughs> hello. Hello, hello. Um, I think uh, everyone who's kind of been vaguely even paying attention to the news uh, means that our first topic kind of needs no introduction, but it does need a lot of explanation. Um, we're looking towards Warsaw. Uh, where the new opposition party, uh, formerly the government, of course, Law and Justice, uh, staged a huge protest last week um, to rally support against what they were calling the sweeping changes to the state media, as well as moves by the, uh, uh, the new coalition led by Donald Tusk, um, uh, against, well, basically some of the changes that they had made over their eight years in power. Adam, can you kind of explain to our listeners, uh, what's the setting, what's the broader context behind these moves in Warsaw? Right.
1: Well, uh, as you say, some of these, uh, the, the opposition has a point, you know, some of these changes have been sweeping, um, you know, uh, I think we need to stick to the, you know, it's it's a bit confusing this situation and, and there's a lot of political tension. So. So I think it's important to stick to the, the, the basic facts. You know, the uh, the elections on October 15th um, were a turning point for Poland. You know, there was a huge turnout of voters who basically gave the current ruling coalition a, a broad mandate to uh, reverse the state capture, restore the rule of law, um, bring back independent uh, public media uh, and, and basically... Undo most of the democratic backsliding that Poland experienced under the rule of uh, the um, uh, Law and Justice, and uh, and despite uh, despite the obstacles, delayed transition of power. Remember that you know um, Law and Justice and and the president uh, Mr. Duda, who who is allied with uh, with Law and Justice, delayed the transition in power for two months. So the government uh, was able to take power effectively only on, on in in December, uh, and now it's a month a month into into their efforts to um, to to fulfill what they promised they would do. The, an important thing to mention here is that in those two months of of transition, when uh, when there was a caretaker government uh, led by Mr. Morawiecki, um, the outgoing prime minister. Uh, Law and justice undertook several actions to cement their state capture and make it harder for their successors uh, to actually pursue their policy and make their own appointments, for example, in the prosecution service. So, you know, there is a lot of tension because the government is not deterred by this and pursuing changes quite uh, vigorously. So the first to go were the public media. Uh, the government uh, effectively fired uh, all the managements of public uh, media companies, radio and television as well as the news agency, national news agency um, and uh, installed new managements which promptly fired all the functionaries of the law and justice that sort of activists that were posing as journalists um, producing a lot of one-sided propaganda that even one of them called worse than <laughs> worse yeah. than the propaganda under communism uh, and uh, brought back uh, you know professional journalists uh, some of them used to work in the public media before law and justice took over in uh, 2015 uh, and and uh, and that of course caused enormous uh, fury um, for Mr. Kaczyński, the leader of, of law and justice. So that's one major change. The second, um, the second big change is um, is the removal of uh, politically aligned prosecutors from uh, from uh, from, uh, from, uh, from prosecution leadership, so to speak. So the new justice minister Adam Bodnar, who's a former ombudsman, who's who is an independent, he's a He's a professor of law and widely respected in Poland and abroad, and he's not party member. Um, so he removed heads of the uh, prosecution service that were installed hastily by the uh, outgoing government uh, to cement their control of the prosecution service, just in case they lost power, which happened, and they want to run the prosecution service despite a new government being in place, which is which is of course absurd. So he um, uh, on Friday he removed those those prosecutors, and and that ends an era of immunity for law and justice because one of the elements of the democratic backsliding uh, during law and justice uh, term in power was that. Effectively, politicians from that party uh, had immunity. And uh, prosec- you know, any examples of abuses of power or corruption or of misuse of public funds, um, they were evidenced by media, by, by, by whistle- whistleblowers, but prosecution wasn't taking up uh, these cases. Even cases where the National Audit Chamber, so an official state body, that monitors the performance of public institutions, uh, in Poland, uh, issued a number of reports, um, revealing uh, abuses of power or, 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 or irregularities and reported them to the prosecution service. None of these cases, uh, was taken up under law and justice. So obviously, you know, this, this party is now faced with the prospect of of um, investigations and prosecutions moving forward and charges being brought against some leading figures of the of the party and 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 of course this is a prospect which is on political but also on a personal level and not something they cherish
0: of course, of course. Now, uh, related to, <clears throat> excuse me, um, do you think there's, um, what formats do peace have to kind of reach their populace now, their, their support? Because obviously they've lost, as you mentioned, um, you know, TVP, the public broadcaster, as well as a lot of the media channels. So what is their, what, how do they reach their populace with their messaging now? Well, you know,
1: media plurality in Poland, even during their rule, was, was, holding up quite well and it's still a very pluralistic landscape for media uh, so they have other channels of communicating they have social media and you know you could see from the rally they organized uh, which was attended by thousands of people tens of thousands of people that they can still communicate with their supporters pretty well um, so you know in a, in a sort of ironic twist uh, the new Public television showed that live and even carried live the speech of Mr. Kaczyński, something which was unheard of uh, under the law and justice management of public television, where opposition was basically banned from from airwaves. So, so I don't see a problem with with law and justice communicating with their supporters, but it will be much harder for them to um, to sort of produce uh, their narratives unchallenged. Because the public media will, is already showing that, will show uh, developments in Poland current affairs in a more even handed manner. Um, Actually, uh, a study I saw uh, done a few days ago showed that uh, law and justice representatives uh, still command uh, most of the time, (laughs) airtime on public television, mm, just because they're taking positions on a number of issues and they're protesting and all of that. So they get airtime. So to me, this is a show that that these changes that the new coalition in the media sphere um, uh, carried out actually bear fruit and they're delivering on their promise. Um, So that's one important thing. But the other important thing is that, you know, law and justice uh, remains a very powerful force in Polish politics and especially... Uh, as they're aligned with President Duda, uh, who is now sort of emerging as their main um, conduit, if you will, for for blocking the new government's uh, um, activities. Um, so, so, you know, their ability to disrupt uh, this new government remains substantial.
0: Alright, so do you think these protests will, in the long term, have any kind of impact on the current government? Or is this maybe just a strategy of disruption, as you might call it, uh, going forward with the kind of new changes that we might foresee in the coming months and even years?
1: Well, I think that polarization that we're witnessing is going to persist. Uh, it's not going to to disappear. Um, Mr. Kaczyński, um, you know, his entire political career is based on on radicalism, and and he, you know, for him, compromise does not function as a way of of uh, doing politics. so they will they will uh, stage all sorts of protests, boycotts, they will disrupt parliament seat sittings, and you know um, a good example of this is is this whole affair of two former law and justice ministers uh, who were jailed. Uh, you know, uh, law and justice simply, refuses to acknowledge the fact that they were convicted in a court of law and sentenced and that they simply go to jail because they go to jail like any other person convicted of criminal behavior and they are turning them into political prisoners you know which is you know which is frankly speaking offensive if you consider that just north of poland's border you have belarus where thousands of people um, are innocently jailed for just uh, trying to um, exercise their freedom of expression or freedom to vote and very often without trial uh, or in mock trials uh, with with torture and so on so forth these are real political prisoners not these two ministers who were convicted twice uh, for abuses of power going back to 2006 so in a sense it's a case which has no relevance to the actions of the current government but of course, uh, it happens just as these changes are taking place. So law and justice is trying to portray this as a revenge of sorts by the new government on on these on these crystal characters. But you know, even in their narrative, they're betraying themselves because on the one hand they're saying they're crystal crystal characters, uh, crusaders against corruption because the two ministers were involved of of the anti corruption service and and other service secret services as a sort of anti-corruption uh, crusaders in the same breath saying that they were pardoned by President uh, Duda before. So, you know, it's, it's illogical because if they were pardoned, then obviously the, a crime had to take place. Uh, so, yeah. you know, it's, it's just inconsistent and it's trying to, to sort of distort, distort the, the truth and the facts about it.
0: Well, it, it's fascinating. Also, if we zoom out just a little bit and look at uh, one of their Visigard neighbors of Poland, where um, in Slovakia, we're also seeing an increase of uh, protests. This isn't necessarily just ca- uh, concentrated in the capital Bratislava; it's going across the provincial towns. Um, but what's quite interesting about this one is it's it's the reverse; it's the other side of the coin. Where um, since you know a couple of months back, um, the government again switched, but in that case it was uh, you know a populist led by Robert Fico and his government who are now attempting to make changes, very controversial changes, we would say non-democratic changes to the judiciary as well as the prosecutor's office. Um, can you expand on this slightly for people so they can understand maybe the juxtaposition between the two countries? Yeah, well, but you are
1: absolutely right. This is the other side of the coin, you know. So so in Slovakia things are going in the opposite direction. So the playbook that was first, um, uh, tested by Viktor Orban in Hungary, um, basically uh, subverting, uh, all the state institutions and, and the media and, and making them, uh, making them sort of servants of the, of the party, of the ruling party. Um, that was replicated in Poland by law and justice in 2015, uh, with mixed success because it's worth remembering that in Poland, the civil society and, and the, and some of the judges, they resisted, uh, very strongly. Uh, there was huge popular backlash against this street protests and so on and so forth. And ultimately, uh, this, this, this prevailed in the uh, October election. In Slovakia, uh, Mr. Fico, after winning power, uh, more or less at the same time that in Poland uh, Donald Tusk won power, Mr. Fico is 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 trying to go in the opposite direction, as you rightly pointed out. So he's trying to follow the same playbook uh, that uh, Orban and Kaczynski um, um, used um, um, by by switching off checks and balances, by politicizing the prosecution service and make it uh, make it compliant to, to 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 political will, if you if you uh, if you will <laughs> so so in a sense you know i have a perception that what is happening in poland is very closely watched in hungary and in slovakia and civil society there is actually mobilized by poland's example because they see that ultimately it is possible to win against against uh, parties or politicians that move away from Democratic governance towards a more democratic uh, autocratic model of governance and and Fico is, is is bearing the brunt of these protests, and given that his majority in parliament is really thin, he has to be careful uh, because at some stage he may just not be able to push uh, these quasi reforms uh, forward. He's also you know facing scrutiny from the European Parliament. Uh, the European institutions have learned. Uh, from Hungary and from Poland that they cannot just, um, turn a blind eye to, um, to democratic backsliding because then, uh, it, it creates, it creates problem from, for, 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 for the European rule of law system, um, it creates chaos, creates, uh, ambiguity. Uh, so, you know, we'll see, um, uh, fico is certainly in a more fragile situation than uh than uh, mr kaczynski was or orban still is but even in hungary we see first signs that society is not excited about fidesz as much as it used to be uh and 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 you know for example this this recent um this this recent um uh, plan to you know orban organizes these these sort of consultations public consultations people receive leaflets with uh with questions where they can answer uh, and and of course the questions are biased and, and and they're leading into obvious answers and the government then uses this as a sign of uh, sort of public and democratic support to challenge EU institutions most of the time. Uh, and and the latest uh, initiative on, on this uh, around the, the sort of sovereignty protection, which is another catchphrase Orban is using to um, sort of badmouth anyone who dares to oppose him, um, is is falling flat. You know, people are returning empty ballots uh and, and that's a way of manifesting their, their their sort of civil disobedience. So, you know, the Polish example is really important for the region, that uh first of all, you know, uh it can be reversed. And second, uh also that ultimately, you know, there is accountability. And 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 the fact that in Poland these two ministers went to jail uh probably makes a lot of people around the region think.
0: I think that definitely gives them just a, a food for thought, and also a, a great pause of worry. Probably, um, I, yeah. I mean, thinking about this, I mean, you're right that because uh, the Polish government, we've you know, we've seen that switch, and Viktor Orbán has basically lost his greatest ally in Brussels. Um, now we have the rise of Fico in Slovakia, almost giving him like a, a last minute, you know, hope that he will be able to withstand any kind of Article Seven or different kind of pressures that might be derived. Um, but I think you know important for our listeners to know that this is a lot of, a lot of the animosity towards Orbit at this moment. Besides his non-democratic moves, is his his blocking of funds for Ukraine as well as um, his his you know most vocal support of, of Putin and, and Putin's Russia. Um, now, with that in line, I kind of want to steer you know just the the end of the conversation towards Ukraine. Where um, it, it hasn't been the easiest couple of months, both on the military field as well as, you know, securing funding. Um, but it seems that there's – we're kind of at a week where we're seeing some positive moves with uh, Rishi Sunak, um, the, the, the British prime minister visiting Ukraine and promising like a 10-year plan for uh, security package. Well, actually
1: which is, signing uh, it, signing it. Yeah, signing so it. it. Exactly right. You're it's, right. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a big step.
0: It is, it is, and as he even said, um, as we noted in the weekly outlook, it's a step towards NATO membership. Uh, my question then is also with the, the the Zelensky will be tomorrow in Switzerland at the and Davos, kind of looking for you know should we say alternative funding? Do you think what can we expect out of that media? What can we kind of expect? Let's say in the coming week or two weeks for Ukraine, do we do we think there'll be a, a stronger support from kind of different alternative sources? Look, you know,
1: I, I don't have a crystal ball, so I can only only speak of my of my sort of instinct on this. Uh, so, with this caveat, I'm uh, I'm going to risk <laughs> a <laughs> no. bit of forecasting. Please do. I think Ukraine hit a low point in late 2023. The uh, the counteroffensive, as we know, stalled. Uh, arms deliveries. Um, from the West uh, slowed. The U.S. got basically, you know, President Biden said, you know, we w- we would support Ukraine for as long as we can, whereas previously it was for as long as it takes. Uh, and obviously, uh, there is no uh, there is no realistic prospect of America becoming seriously yeah. engaged in helping Ukraine. Uh, this year as um, Joe Biden faces off uh, probably Donald Trump in the election. So so lots of sort of bad developments for, for Ukraine, if you will. But I think on the positive side, uh, as you said, you know, there are some signs that things are moving. I think the uh, the funding from Europe is going to come. And Europe now is probably more realistic about the need for, for for the EU and for member states to actually replace uh, the, the the help that the United States used to provide to Ukraine, there is a push uh, from different capitals in in Europe to boost armament spending, and both for domestic but also regarding helping Ukraine. So it, it's the same sort of venue. Um, you know, there's a talk of a 100 billion euro defense procurement fund. Being put together, uh, the uh, Hungarian blockade on on funding, uh, which which we saw in December, uh, we see signs that that, that Orban is, is is yielding to pressure. So you know, I would I would sort of make a very careful bet that Ukraine is going to see some positive developments that sustain its uh, its war effort. And and that enable it to, to continue the fight, stay in the fight, and 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 um, and uh, and sustain uh, Russian Russian likely counterattack as well. So so overall, I think Europe is is gradually moving. You know, my bottom line is that I think Europe is gradually moving um, uh, towards a, a, a more. Uh, robust defense and uh, and war footing, effectively getting ready for for the worst, uh, getting realistic about the prospects of of Russian aggression against the Baltic states, for example. Uh, so in that context, I think it, it's 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 also encouraging that despite the febrile uh, political situation in Poland, we just had a meeting between the Prime Minister, Mr. Tusk, and and President Duda, where you know with all their differences on on the domestic issues and uh and 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 high tensions duda said that they fully agree and will cooperate very closely on defense and ukraine that's a very strong signal that uh that warsaw will uh will play a positive role in mobilizing um western europe and and the european union to support ukraine as Tusk promised and duda as we know to be fair to him you know when uh when when russia attacked uh ukraine in, 2022, um, Duda was was very outspoken in supporting Ukraine, uh, going there, uh, talking to presidents of the United States, leading European powers. So he was in the game, he was on it, he he was a very important voice. That got lost a little bit in the last year as Law and Justice tried to win sort of Eurosceptic and, and anti-Ukrainian voters. Um, and, and and made some controversial moves regarding Ukraine's grain, or or, or saying that they would stop supporting Ukraine militarily. Um, that that sort of put Poland's position um, made made Poland's position a bit ambiguous. But it's good to see that now Duda and and Tusk are are again on the same bandwagon, and they, they will return to a clear pro-Ukraine stance.
0: I think that's a great note to end on. Uh, hopefully, uh, the Ukraine can be a uniting front uh, in many of the more polarized countries, as you kind of mentioned, specifically in Poland. All right. Well, thank you, Adam, very much. I appreciate you joining us again. And I, Thank you, Galen. Yeah. Wish everyone a, a lovely week here in very, very cold Poland.